0: back, back.
1: All right, welcome back to the Boys 161st Street, episode 120. Today's May 3rd, day before the Astros series. Coming to you live. Today we got just me and Damon, like the good old days. Chandler and Murph are both away. Chandler is somewhere away in New York City doing his thing. He decided to stand us up. So today, it's just us two like we used to back in the good old days, back in episode one. (laughs) So what are we talking about? Yankees sweep the Astros. Mike King is finally free. Not the Astros. (laughs) Yankees are playing the Astros. We're going to sweep the Astros. But we sweep the Tigers, is who we swept. And, much, much different team. Well, we're, but, you yeah, know, it is what it is. We're gonna sweep the Astros, hopefully. But it's funny because when I looked back, uh, when we're looking back at the old episodes, a couple days ago, a couple weeks ago, when we were like the sky was falling, I said when I noticed the upcoming schedule, I want to go seven and two against this stretch of players, against not players, against the stretch of teams because we had four games against the Orioles. Three more games against the Tigers. I at least wanted to go seven and two in whatever stretch that was. I think we went six and three during that stretch, so I'm I'm content with that. We should have definitely not split a series against the Orioles, but we needed to do what we did against the Tigers. And we don't split a series against them. We take care of business. And there's usually we look for silver linings in, you know, the Orioles series back then. There were silver linings. There is a lot, a lot to love, and I don't want to overreact about. Too many things, but I don't think it's much of an overreaction when you talk about the things that were going like Kluber and Garrett Cole and you know Stanton and Judge and all those players that are, the, like we said before. I'd rather the players that are actually really good, like the Glabers of the world, and not the Odors of the world. I'd rather them play really well and not the you know the accessory players. And the the studs came out and played, and everything has been good. Mike yeah. King is finally free. It cost Darren O'Day, but. Mike King's free, so I can stop posting about that. But how you doing, Damon? Great. I mean, I feel like I feel like when, when the Yankees won their first game,
2: we definitely overreacted a little bit, say so, <laughs> like saying that you know we're turning things around. But I feel like now, which game when they won, I like when they won like their first game after they were like just consistently losing and losing and losing. And then oh, we say
1: so we're they're back.
2: Yeah, they were like we're back. They like, we hit like one home run. But now, now I feel like it's been some consistent time where. We are starting to win more games, and more of the pieces are kind of falling into place. Like, Stan's hitting out of his mind right now. Judge is becoming Judge. Cole is continuing to be Cole. Kluber is filling into his own. You know, all these guys are kind of filling into the spot. Glaber is finally hitting now. So, I'm feeling great about everything so far. And I feel like, yeah, you don't want to lose a game to the to the, to the Orioles. You know, they're they're not... The team we should be losing to at any point this season, but given the stretch of games we just went on, I'm very, very happy and
1: optimistic about the outcomes. Like we're not back, and this whole stretch of games, I wanted to go seven and two. And if we did go seven and two, if we went nine and zero, oh, I don't think we would be saying anything like, "Oh, we're back. We're totally back," because that's yeah. not that wasn't possible given the level of competition we're going against. Granted, I wanted to be on a winning streak because you know you asked us a week ago. We were winning any game. So it was nice to get some wins under our belt so we feel like a better team. And then you go into an Astro series like we're about to against an actually good opponent. And it's the first time they're coming to New York since the cheating scandal. We never even get got to give them, you know, our two cents and give them the shower of booze and Yeah, never forget. They're they never forget that Astros cheated. But, you know, they're leveling up their security according to Dan Rourke. And it's just It's going to be a wild time. I wish I could be there for the first game tomorrow, but I have a softball game. Um, I'm going to try and make it with Chandler and you to uh, one of the games this week. And, you know, I'm, I'm just happy going into this. Obviously, if you ask us when the series is over and we get swept, that would be obviously not ideal. I don't think that's going to happen because I think the big boys are playing good. And this is exactly the point where I wanted to be at going into this. I'm very optimistic about that. But before we get into the Astros series talk a little bit about what happened just now because you know that's what, we're yankees podcast we talk about those things so yankees first sweep of the year first good sweep we were on, a, on the back side of some sweeps before yeah some sweeps did we get swept by anybody the rays yeah, the rays kicked their ass yeah so we were talking a little bit of shit about judge and i don't take back anything i said because it wasn't sh- talking shit and people have said i don't know if they're pointing to us but talking shit about judge it wasn't talking shit about judge we we're just we, saying we were really and it's always shit. that that thing that we always say it's like oh when he's healthy he's amazing okay yeah. he's healthy and he played amazing that's that that's how things work he, yeah, he we played it nev- we played never shit
2: a- on him saying he was playing poorly
1: we just said you know fucking figure it out so you can start playing i'm just tired of the load management stuff and we'll get into that in a little bit too judge basically told us to shut up but not really um his numbers, I'll pull up his numbers real quick because I posted them before, and his numbers on the Statcast were absolutely fucking unbelievable. Yeah. But he, again,
2: like we're not, we never shit, we're not shitting on him as a player. We're shitting on him as a, as a person. It's <laughs> just not being healthy. Not as like,
1: a person, but his health, and that's always been the yeah, thing. Yeah, but and, that's and, his... and we over, we told ourselves we're not going to talk about this thing and be like, hey, you know, when when he's healthy, with all of MLB Network always talks about when they're doing the pre the like the MLB top 100 is he's like not in the top 5 because you know when healthy he's great and we see the numbers right now when he's healthy he's great right now in the MLB when he's been playing he's in the 99th percentile in practically everything average exit velocity max exit velocity hard hit percentage expected batting average the everything barrels all of it and you expect that and he's literally putting up MVP type numbers and he hasn't played every game due to the load management stuff and he still has 7 home runs i think 18 RBIs or something like that the MLB lead is nine home runs right now and he hasn't played all the games and he still has seven so it's just ridiculous and you can make that up he can make that up in a hurry because he can have multiple home run games and grand slams like he just did and that doesn't go against anything we said and that that honestly makes me even more mad about the load management stuff because and I get it and we talked about this before that Obviously, he's an injury-prone player that you have to do shit like this with him because other. Would you rather have this, or would you rather have him like? Would you rather have him miss a few games, or would you rather have him miss a month or two because he's hurt? Obviously, I'd rather have this, but I just wish wish it wasn't a thing. If yeah. it wasn't a thing, then I wouldn't. I'd be. I, that's what I'm more upset about. I wish that that is something we have to deal with with him. Obviously, with Stanton as well. Stanton has the. Eight game hitting streak, and then he gets benched. He had nine hits in the last in the last three games. Obviously, he comes back and continues the hitting streak. He's at nine games now, but it's just ridiculous that we have to do this load management stuff. And one thing that one of our listeners actually sent us was a little bit about it's it's along the lines of the load management stuff. So he's basically telling me this is Thomas Sinertia. So shout out Thomas. Uh, Dave Winfield averaged 135 games a season. Jeter hit 316 at 38 years old. Dave Winfield and they, they basically the whole point of this is people used to play. Yeah, Dave Winfield played 143 games, hit 271 at 43 years old. Jeter did the same thing at 38 years old. He played no less than 148 games the previous 16 years. These are two examples, and they're a blip on the entire you know baseball world, but. People used to play. And I don't even want to say used to because this is not that long ago. It's not like, oh, you know, in the 1920s, that pitchers used to pitch every day and whatever. They used to just fucking, you know, throw with their right hand and then their left hand the next day because they threw against electricians. Whatever the fuck happened. It's just I'm a little bit upset and not a little bit upset. I'm just mad that this is the way the game is kind of played now. Like, obviously, you got to prevent injuries. And, you know, it's not the way the game's played now. It is a little bit. I'm a little, just, I don't know, I don't know how to feel about it this. Really I'm kind of rambling, but it's just it, it bothers me that we have to treat our superstar players like this. And another quick thing I want to trade for Whit Merrifield. <laughs> That's so out of context, yeah. but <laughs> um, it just bothers me. The the load management stuff is so annoying and and we've talked about this before too with Giancarlo Stanton or just with anybody who's hot like I get the lodge management. I get that he has a scheduled off day that day. But why do you have to? You can make adjustments. You don't have to give him the off day if he's literally on an eight-game winning streak. That's how you go cold. Like you don't do that because then you're going to get cold. That just doesn't make sense to me at all. Give him an off day once he doesn't get a hit or once he doesn't have three. He had multiple three-hit games and they still benched him. Yeah. You I, st- at some point, and he's a DH. He's a that's DH. What I'm say. He's a I, DH. I feel like, especially
2: for him. If, unless he's hurt, he should be out there every single game. If he's a DH, I, I don't care. I, I don't care. I don't care what the excuse is. I don't care if, it's, if it's, like he should not have schedule off days because I know he's had, I know he's had injuries in the past. But we are, we are kind of working around that by putting him in a DH spot every single day. Yeah, that is the load. That, management. that is that is the that's load. already the load management. That's literally what their load management is. is you get half the game DH. off. Yes. You go up there and you swing a bat four times. the game. Arguably, Maybe. the harder
1: part off. You don't have to run around. You literally stand in a box and are. And honestly, for him, you're more. We more than likely either going to trot down to first because you hit an 118 mile per hour slapper, or you hit a home run, so you don't have to run. Yeah. So, so like
2: at that point, he. Sh- in my personal opinion, he should be on every. He should be in every lineup at DH if that's what they're they're scheduled to do. If he's playing in the field. Different story, but literally his load management is DHing every game. Judge, I get a little bit more because he's, you know, he had that soreness or whatever. He's coming in on and off, whatever, whatever, keys, whatever. Yeah. But he is playing every day, and if he's doing well, I'm fine with the schedule off days here and there. But, again, like, I, I'm, I'm all for Judge doing what he's doing, but I think it's a stand that really grinds my gears a little bit more because he's not You're
1: getting, an, not off you're getting an off day. You're getting an off day. By that, I mean you're getting an off day half the game. He, like, everybody else has to play, and you don't. He'll like, probably get more sore.
2: He'll probably get more sore sitting on the bench and not
1: playing Lactic acid La- builds up. Sure, yeah, whatever the science is. Lactic acid. That's why you go for a run, and once you pitch, you get the lactic acid out of your arm, and you feel good. That I just don't get. I just
2: don't get that. That's why that. in between
1: innings, when you pitch, you go for a run, you do polls back in high school, and then yeah. that's because you don't get sore, and then you get injured that way. So honestly, when you take a half inning off, and then you go 0 to 100, you start and stop like that, you're more likely to get hurt, honestly. Yeah. I'm not a doctor, but and even, that's what and I And even think.
2: more so, the guy's the hottest hitter. He's going. He's finally showing signs of his old self. Let the guy play. It, it just doesn't make sense. It really, it, it really doesn't. doesn't. I, I mean, wa-
1: it's going to be something that they're always going to keep doing, so it doesn't make sense to keep harping on it. And we have already harped on it a ton, but it's just something that really bothers me. It really, really bothers me. All,
2: all I hope, all I hope, is that when games start to get a little more serious and we're going towards you know middle of the summer, we're getting more into like playoff races and stuff like that. I really hope we're not seeing this continue on because I can kind of get it early on the season we're playing the Tigers, but again we're not really winning games, so we're still we're still kind of in the hole. So we still need to dig ourselves out. That
1: is the counter argument to it. To play devil's advocate is that we are giving him an off day against the Tigers leading into the national series. So that I do understand. If there was an off day to give him, it would be against the Tigers in a game where you could win with fucking Mike Talkman, RIP. But I still don't like it. I don't like the idea. Like if he wasn't on an 8 game hit streak, yeah, give him the off day. No matter how hot he's been, but like 8 game hit streak, 9 hits in 3 days. It's pretty fucking impressive. To me, I don't know why you would ever give him that off day. It is what it is. If he takes an off day in any of these games against the Astros, the Nationals are coming up. I know they haven't been great this year, but I'd like to see them play the entire time against the marquee teams in division two, against the teams that matter, maybe not the Orioles, like that would be another time to give them off days, but you know. And another thing too is like they obviously had a long stretch of games without an off day. But another thing too, we had an off day coming up today. So it's just it's I don't like the way things are handled today, tomorrow, yesterday, ever, but Either way, one thing I did want to bring up about the outfield and sp- one, one person in particular was Aaron Hicks. so we talked about Aaron Hicks and how poor he's been on offense and we briefly mentioned how his arm kind of looked like a noodle and he's you know one of the people that is has a great arm allegedly. so when you look at his arm recently and he airmails throws and they're off target and they're not even fast, we talked about that last episode, but on the yes broadcast. Michael K. and company did the uh, outfield arm report. Oh, really? And, yeah, they started doing that every game. They did it two games ago and then, again, this game. And the outfield that game was Gardner, uh, Hicks, and and uh, Clint. And he, it, it backs up our point that he did look like he doesn't have the same arm. He has a B arm on their rating, which he throws 87.6 miles per hour this year, which is not what he, he used to be the top arm in yeah, the league. I mean, now it's Ramon the the
2: ball thrown ever. Yeah,
1: now it's Ramon Loriano. It's obviously Judge. But another thing that didn't shock me is that Guardy doesn't have a good arm. Guardy's arm Yeah, his I arms think... aren't even good though. Guardy's arm. I didn't don't even think I wrote it down. It's but probably like a D or some shit. Like he, he I mean he but like we, That's we know, how we know we're getting out of him. We know we're getting out of him. But one shock that I did have that did one thing that did shock me, well not one shock that I did have was I knew Clint had a good arm, but Clint had, Clint had an A hit ninety two miles per hour. Yeah, he he's always had a good arm too. That's one of his like, tools. I feel like it's wild though.
2: Whenever he throws, he's yeah. fucking gassing it, and it's all the way off. Because I feel like half of it is like showing off the arm, and like at unnecessary situations, and maybe that causes some sort of like inaccuracy.
1: Yeah, because he hasn't like done it, so he just wants to sh- yeah. just wants to flash it. Yeah, like hey, by the way, I got this tool in the toolbox.
2: But you know what else? Uh, you know, kind of going off of Hicks, like you know what else he's known for getting on base, right? Those were two big things. He is the lowest on base percentage of all the Yankees starting players right now. The lowest. Uh, the only person who was lower was Jay Bruce, and he's not on the team anymore. So R.I.P. Jay Bruce. R.I.P. Jay Bruce as well. That I I looked that up 10 minutes ago and that shocked me.
1: What is it? What's his OBP? His OBP is 255. That's not good. And don't know why we traded Mike Talkman. And like you I said it before, I honestly think I'd prefer Mike Talkman than Higson Center. Call me crazy.
2: I, I would too. Right now, I would
1: 100%. Mike Talkman's tearing it up on the fucking Giants. So. Yeah. I mean,
2: the the I don't know like we we've been watching him play and I I was going to get into this a little bit later but he's really 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 not living up to his expectations whatsoever. Who? Hicks, I mean, we talked about this
1: plenty of times. No, I know. But I'm saying like this isn't going to be the bash Hicks episode. We've already bashed. I know him it's off.
2: not, but I'm saying like it's like like wh- you're not saying anything new. I know, but do we ever get to a point where we're like considering not playing him as often? Sign him
1: to a seven year contract extension. Yeah. It's looking like a pretty shitty contract extension, but I don't know. I, I don't, I think it's a little early to be like, hey, you're gone. I think it's a little premature. I'm not saying gone, but I'm saying not gone. But like, hey, you're not starting is a little premature for a guy that has been great. The one thing I will say is that we've talked about this before too that he is just straight up not a switch hitter anymore because I think he was O for his last 17 from the left side. His right He's side is a He's betting below one, right? 100 from the left side. His right side's a good one, right?
2: His red side is dying the like in the two hundreds. Whoa! But <laughs> it's double. But
1: I I was talking to my other friend too about this, and he brought up the point that Shane Victorino was switch hitter, but towards the end of his career, he decided to nix that and he went to his more dominant side or his his regular side, and I think it was his right side. I'm not sure, but he I, at what point are you gonna make that switch? But the thing with Hicks is that like you don't want to make that switch personally because that's the only thing keeping you in the lineup and making you bat three so like he's 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 totally not a switch hitter anymore in my mind and i think the better thing for him would just be to bat righty the entire time but if you're batting righty now you're a righty like don't you wish just for his sake his left side was a good side if he was if he he was not going to be yeah because if he was not going to be a switch hitter like that i think that's why he's like grasping onto that switch hitter thing like not letting it go yet because That's the only thing, and the alternative is batting righty. And batting righty means you're one of nine in in a lineup, and now you're no longer. That's that's your calling card, and that's what makes you bat three or even just well, or even in the top half of the lineup. Anyone that that's what gets you in the lineup every day. When we look at you, or Boone looks at you, and he's making the lineup. It is so not because of the numbers on the like that you're seeing all of the stat casts, exit blah velocity barrels that you see with guys like Judge. They literally look at Hicks and say, "Oh, switch hitter, three, whatever it is." So if he wasn't, if that said R instead of S, I I swear to God, he may not. I don't think he would not be in the lineup yet. I think he would totally be batting nine. Well, I mean, he already.
2: He, I think in my mind, he already lost his upper half. Uh, I don't know how to phrase this, but the upper half breakup of the lineup, like lefty, righty, switch, whatever hitter in the upper half of the lineup to Odor. Because now he's... Odor's batting four. He's batting four now. And or and like that essentially replaces the Hicks of the three-hole. And now Hicks is now dropping down.
1: I asked this to Chandler, too, like the, the batting four thing. How many people have batted four in the yeah. Yankees lineup today? Did you get that answer? I didn't, but I, I know for i mean, like I'm trying to think who they were. I think it'd be easier to think about
2: who hasn't batted four yet. Like LeMayu hasn't. Clint hasn't. Has Judge? Judge hasn't. He, he Judge's only that batted one day, two and three. He's only batted You got three. moved to three that one day, yeah, not four? But that was it. Yeah. So Judge hasn't batted four. Guardy, Clint, probably Higgy. That that might be the only. And Higgy's, LeMayu, pretty close and LeMayu. <laughs> Higgy's pretty close to
1: And LeMayu. Higgy's pretty close to batting four. I feel like those, those are the only
2: people who probably
1: haven't. I think everyone else probably has. Which is kind of wild. Odor, I just Odor has been batting great, and he's been getting some clutch hits. I just that's don't, the thing. Like I still like he, him in the four spot. I don't either, but you can't hate the guy for doing a job. Like he's, no, it's nothing against him. It's just the, the, I've always had this against the Yankees, and I don't like that they have this whole thing where they have to have a you know break up. If you it, it it works, and I get it. And in video games, you always want again, game will be the show. We always break up the lefties righties because it matters there, and it, obviously it does matter in real life, but. I don't think it matters as much because the Yankees have such dominant righties, or so we think, that it overpowers the, you know. And honestly, too, when you look at, we've talked about Clint before also, like he gets pinch hit for against righties, and his numbers against the same side are better than when he's against the opposite side, against lefties on the mound. So, which
2: just contradicts all the analytics that they think they're going to I don't, to see,
1: I don't right. know what numbers they're looking at, and I've always had problems with that in the playoffs, too. And this is when this is actually going to matter, because right now I really don't care, but when it comes down to it and they pinch hit Mike Ford because there's a righty on the bump for Clint Frazier, that's when I scratch my head and I'm like, hmm, I don't know what numbers you're looking at, because yeah. I think we all look at the same numbers. There's baseball savant, which is probably the most powerful you know website and there's fan graphs and these are where these guys are looking at there's there's no they they have numbers but they're not privately researched numbers they get the number from the same place we do and they dissect them the same way and i just don't know what they're looking at there's no secret thing that they're that they're looking at we know all of the insides all, and outs all of the, the stats are public. it's it's public information and unless there's a new stat that they just don't they're not releasing to the public i don't know what they're looking at but I don't know the lineup construction thing that's always been a bother of me. The load management's been a bother of me, but we're we're feeling good though. We just swept the Tigers as we should have moving to the Astro series. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Corey Kluber. Yeah, looking uh pretty vintage out there. I tweeted that I expected to get some flack on that, but I don't think really did. He did look fucking awesome, and honestly, I watched this game and I did the book for the first time. <laughs> Claps to me, <laughs> just a baseball purist out here. But I think I'm going to keep doing the book. I think it was, it was pretty relaxing. Just yeah, it helps quick. pay attention a little bit more. Yeah, less on my phone, pay attention to the game, everything. Yeah, Go every hour. A little pen paper back in the old days. But Kluber was looking good. Kluber had, I remember seeing, I was doing the book obviously, and he had so many strikeouts in the beginning. He started to, you know, taper off not his performance, but just on the strikeouts alone. He was getting, you know, Soft contact and ground balls and stuff like that. Giving the infield some work. But, I mean, he had 10Ks for the first time since September of 2018. Yeah. And right. that's pretty fucking amazing. He went eight innings. That's, that's what I was going to say. That's
2: that's the more impressive thing that I, I'm taking from that, is that he went eight innings. That's, that's more impressive to you? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I don't I, even know why I tried ideas. to. I don't know why I tried to
1: combat that. But, I mean, the 10Ks is absolutely impressive. But 100%. Eight innings. I thought they were going to pull him after the seventh. That's why I posted the stat line. And... He had like ninety something pitches. I think that's he had. It's on the ask, Yeah, but I feel like. And he, then they put him out for the eighth, and he got a quick eighth. But
2: yeah, here, here's, here's the thing. We we were talking about it last, maybe last week or something, because um he had a really really fantastic game before this as well. You know, he was not obviously not as great as this yeah, one, he but
1: six point two.
2: Yeah, but like he was he was definitely built starting off starting to show signs of improvement. He was spotting things up, he was locating the ball really well. He went like, you know, he's getting better and better each game. And I mean, this was like this is fantastic. I mean, like what what more can you ask of a guy? From no, Florida nothing.
1: Florida? You can't ask any more than this. And we asked the question about, you know, who are you more confident in, him or Tyone a couple of episodes ago and this was before he had that 6.2 inning pitch uh first win as a Yankee. And I think we all answered Tyone. We we're more confident going forward for the rest of the year, and I absolutely think that's changed. And I don't think it's any fault of Tyone's. I think Tyone's been great, but Kluber, dude. I mean, this is what we were hoping for, and why we're, I was so excited. I was so excited to get Kluber, and I didn't think eleven million dollars was too much because I felt I, he had to have had something like this in the tank. You don't just forget how to pitch. And yes, it's a gamble because he didn't pitch basically in two years. Same with Tyone. And they're both doing awesome. And I have a lot of confidence in both of them. They've both been way above expectations thus far this season. But Kluber just seems to be so far ahead of schedule in terms of his rehab and in yep. terms of being able to go eight. I had no expectations. Before the game started, a bunch of people were tweeting and being like, oh, we need Kluber to give us at least six. And that I agreed with. I, and I think that was a you know, push it to the limits type thing. I think six would be a lot for him. Eight is awesome and it just seems like I said he's so ahead of schedule in terms of just progressing and getting back into the swing of things and being Corey Kluber of old and vintage Corey Kluber like we said and he was just dotting it up and like you know his other starts where he was kind of missing spots I think that's just you know shake off the rust and stuff like that but dude that rust is off and I don't want to read too much into this one start but I don't think it but is. But it's not one star. It was, it was it's a two it's starts, not one star. I think he's it's, building off it. Yeah. And he, dude, he looked good. And we haven't had a true number two in a long time. Yep. I mean, what are the past rotations we've had we've, in recent years? We've had Severino, and then who else behind him? Not not a lot of consistency. Unless I'm forgetting somebody. Not much as a, as a true number two. And Kluber totally can be that number two. And I think that's what he. That's, like, his thing going forward. He's not going to be a number one, but you don't need to be when you got Garrett Cole. And Garrett Cole is literally leading the league right now in war, which shocked me so much.
2: He hits
1: 2.4 war this season. Mike Trout's batting four fucking something. Byron Buxton's also batting four something with eight home runs. Trout, I think, has seven. They both are on my fantasy team, by the way. I'm crushing it offensively. My pitching sucks, but... (laughs) Those two, and they're both doing it defensively too, Byron Buxton steals bases. They are war factories, those two right now. Trout's always been, but so is Buxton right now, and Buxton was supposed to be this, and he's finally coming into his own because he learned how to hit. But Cole has more war than them by one, mind you, but it's still more. That's just a testament to how fucking dominant Garrett Cole's been. It's actually wild that... no, I know, and like I think, well, it, it almost goes unappreciated.
2: You that's all I was gonna say. I feel like we're we're just kind of because I think because we've been like overanalyzing everyone else's pitching performance so much because we've there's so much more to talk about with them, and we're like there's so much more to dissect because everyone else besides besides him essentially has something to prove. It's like what what, what did Corey Kluber do? Like oh, he was looking okay, and he was spotting up the ball. Meanwhile, Garrett Cole's going out there just and throwing shutout innings. <laughs> and we're just like, oh, we expected that. So like, there's not much to talk about. He's like, just, we expect he's the a ace.
1: ton from Garrett Cole. Yeah, and he's completely living up to those expectations. I feel like we're setting ourselves up for being upset because if he, we have these astronomical expectations for Garrett Cole, and then if he, you know, gives up one home run, that's that always been the thing with Garrett yeah. Cole. He gives up one home run to G-Man fucking Choi. And then we're like, oh, my God, he's not worth the money, whatever. We don't say that, but the world says that. It's like, oh, my God. He's like playoff game. He gives a one run in the first inning. And everyone's like, oh, my God. Garrett Cole sucks. But we that's what well, my point is. We have this enormous expectation for him. And we haven't done that yet. We haven't, we haven't been like, Garrett Cole sucks he's because great. he's literally absolutely lights out. His ERA is, I think, 1-3 right now. Something stupid. Yeah. 2.4 war is disgusting. Yeah. 2.4 war. He was the AL pitcher of the month along with garrett cole no, he is garrett cole cool. along with uh de and the nl kind of cool that both of them are you yeah in new york new york's a good place to be a pitcher i guess right now but i think it's awesome i just no, it, i think it's so cool and like we said back to kluber it's just you don't have to be that number one because you got garrett cole doing his damn thing but you could be a damn good number two yep and, and he's going to – I'm so confident in him.
2: If he gets into that number two spot and he's he's willing, dealing – He's, he's in a number consistent. two no, not, no, I'm, not I'm gets he, into it. I'm saying if he, like, continues to produce that out of a number two spot, that's massive. And then, you know, I think JMO is throwing really well too. I think we kind of, like, you know, I think he's getting there. I think his biggest thing is throwing too many pitches and he's not lasting as long as we'd like him to. But I feel like – his outings have been pretty decent for the amount of innings he's pitched.
1: I mean, who? Jamo. So did you answer my question? You're more confident in Kluber now than Tyone? Oh, 100%. Yeah, cuz cause, cause, I, I mean, I was,
2: a- I was always more confident in Kluber because I think cuz he's already he's
1: been there. You know, he I know, but I think I I don't know for whatever reason I was more concerned about his health. I think it's cuz he's well, older. Well, I
2: think he's older, that that's why, but I was more confident in his return than J-Mo. Is he older?
1: Who? I don't know how old Jamo is. I feel like, it could it be one of those things where it's like, oh, is the same age as Clint Fraser. No. Kluber's totally older, but... Kluber's, def- Kluber's definitely older. I don't know if... if Jamo's it, only 29. I didn't know if Jamo had like that Zach Galifianakis, th- or no, what was it? The Zach... Kluber's 35 What's years that, old. That's that disease where you look really young, the guy from... Benjamin Button? Zach, Jason Earls, who looked... He was from Hannah Montana back in the day, and he looks like he's 16. Oh, that guy, yeah, yeah, yeah I didn't yeah. know if he had... Benjamin Button, I guess, but... <laughs> no, that's a little different. I don't that's know. I but I was fooled. <laughs> but I was fooled by the O'Dor thing, and I had no fucking idea that he was the same age as... He was like seven months older than Clint. Yeah, that's weird. Ridiculous. He's yeah. just been in the league for so long. But yeah. I don't know what... For whatever reason, I was more... Confident in clue uh, and response to his injuries and how he would react to coming back to the league, which doesn't really make sense because he has he's had more of an uphill battle with you know obviously cancer and all those other things, but just it's amazing to see both of them progressing the way they are. It's I mean, April just ended, we we're a month into the season, and we haven't talked about them being knock-on-wood, injured or anything. They they're yeah. progressing and progressing pretty quickly, like way above our expectations. I think if there was a little bit less production, a few more bumpy starts along the way, maybe an injury to one of them. We talked about that before the season started. I think if one of those two works out, obviously it's early, obviously, but if one of those two works out, that's why you that's why you did both of them. Yep. Because, you know, you get enough people that are injury prone. If a few of them pan out, then that's perfect. If all of them pan out, which I don't think that'll happen, obviously that's amazing. Yeah. I, I don't mean, think that'll happen, but so far looking good. That would be Saturday. like winning the lottery. If and if all of them pan out, that being, you know, Darren O'Day, who RIP, he'll be back, but really upset about that single tier. It's just I'm I'm just so happy about that. When I think about the playoff rotation going forward, this just absolutely does so much. It does so much for the regular season and taking pressure off the bullpen, which now we have a fresh bullpen going into the Astros series. Yep, Didn't use any of the bullpen except for Chapman, who we'll get more into later. I have a rounding third about him. He's been absolutely lights out. But saving the bullpen was huge, and we're going to need it. And we're getting Wandy, whatever the fuck I think he'll pitch. Probably he was warming up in the bullpen, and then they decided to keep going with Kluber. I think Britain's coming back soon. Darren O'Day obviously goes down. It was just huge, but... Looking back to the playoff rotation, having him as a number two. Now, because when you look at the playoff rotation, you start to look at you know matching up against other teams. And when you match us up against other teams in a five-game series, a three-game series, ideally we wouldn't be in a three-game series being a five. Well, actually, the wild card isn't three anymore. It's going to be one. But when you look at a five-game series, the ALDS, now you've got Kluber, Garrett Cole, Kluber, Probably Seve if he comes back healthy. I don't know if they're going to do the bullpen thing with him, but you know, for all intents and purposes, right now we'll talk about him as the three starter, Tyone, and then you know, then you then you figure out the five. You probably don't even do that because in a five game series, you do the three man rotation, don't you? So yeah. you would get Cole Kluber, Seve. Cole, maybe Tyone, skip a Kluber, start moving back one because he's maybe, I don't know. It just, we, we he need, gives you the flexibility to have a number two starter and it's unbelievable yeah. that it's Corey Kluber because I'm very happy that he's playing well. We <laughs> Long story. We, as the season gets further on to the playoffs and that that happens,
2: the odds are in our favor because we need one of Montgomery, Herman, or J-Mo to pan out and be good enough to pitch in the playoffs. That's three pretty decent pitchers who hopefully one of them could figure it out. I think I, I'm pretty confident that one of them could be a really, really good pitcher in the playoffs. Obviously, those are, those are,
1: um, I'll bet on those odds, 100%. It's, it's a, where are you going to bet on that? Hmm? You going to book it in Action Network? Oh, yeah. Presented by action, action Network, Network ad. Um, actually, while we're talking about that, there's this new app, not new it's called Action Network. It's new to you listening right now. Download the app. But basically, what it is, is a way to track your bets. And I track my bets. I actually used this in college when we were degenerate gamblers. And it would be a fun way to track our bets because we would actually get a record by sport of what like what sports are we good at? Because yeah. you think you're good at one sport betting, but you might not be. Like I'm actually found out that I am a good football better. I am the worst basketball better. And I'm a really average baseball better Baseball, baseball is a really crap hard shoot. to bet on. Baseball is a crap shoot. I thought I, w- I before the season started, I was like, you're going to be the best baseball better. You know so much about baseball. It's going to be so easy. I think I hit 40% of the games. And then if you hit 40% of the games, you're not making money because I took probably favorites and whatever. But either way, it's a fun way to track your bets and you check by your units if you're making money more profitable all that stuff yeah check your records against friends and you can follow us on action network and your friends on action network and when i put my bet in there you'll see what bets i'm taking not investing advice but i'll give you some losers if you want Rob, the hot hands. <laughs> yeah but my
2: fair my fair part honestly yeah because we've been using it for a long time and if you put a couple bets in, you'll you'll enter. A, hopefully, you'll enter a green dot city, as we used to call it back in the day. Where Green dot
1: city is always a good time. Yeah.
2: So when you track your bets in Action Network and it kind of keeps track of the bet as the game's going on. That green dot. Green dot city. So if you're, you know, it checks your percentage to win the bet as the game's going oh, on. Oh, that was
1: the big thing, too. Because when we would take, yeah. obviously, you know, if you have money line on a, on a game, you know if you're winning or not yeah. but when you take an over like if you take an nba over yeah and it's 220 something like, you don't know if you're on hell? pace it tells you yeah. if you're on pace or not and what percentage chance you have to win so it's really cool so download the action network app follow us i'm 161 luke damon's 161 damon murph and chandler if they ever come off pto they are 161 bing and 161 murph follow us and You'll maybe make some money. Where, I mean, honestly, I'm pretty fucking bad at betting. So, yeah, we'll see.
2: But uh, we'll, we'll have a lot of more Action Network stuff coming on. We'll get some of the uh, actual betting experts on the podcast on a weekly basis. So a lot to look out for. I'm not for
1: a betting expert. I'm yeah. the worst. Actually, let's go look at my action.
2: Yeah, but we're going we're gonna to get some experts on for those of you who, who like well, to gamble. I'm actually hitting some track. bets right now.
1: Yeah. Dot City happening no, right now? No, I'm one and two. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's. that's Almost a traffic light. No, it's not
2: good.
1: <laughs> what are we talking about? Um, we we're talking about some pitching, but. Um, yeah, I think we're done there. Playoff yeah. rotation looks good. I'm, uh, I'm taking Cole, out. I'm taking Cole Kluber, Seve over probably anybody. Yeah. I may be biased, but I yeah. don't care. I we're good. That's my thing. Uh, why don't we get into the rounding third? Let's do it.
0: Field, that ball is going to get down and go to the wall. Here comes Prince. They're going to send him home. Here's the of the play. He is.
1: So I got a pretty crazy rounding third for you. It's not that crazy, but I was bored after work, and I did a deep dive into some stats. And usually when I do that, it's not a good time because I get too nerdy in the stats. I get too deep into the numbers, and it's just like a – I'm throwing up numbers into all of you guys when you're listening, but I think this is actually... See, like sometimes I've, I press too hard and I try and make the numbers prove my point and I find the numbers in my side, and I like, figure out the ones that actually prove my point. This, I was actually surprised that as I... Because I have this idea. The uh, the rounding third, spoiler alert, is I think this is the best version of Arolda Chapman we've ever seen. And to clarify, you mean in his entire
2: career? Not no, as a not, Yankee. Not as I don't Yankee. mean
1: personally seeing in the Yankees. I mean... Honestly, we've ever seen. All right, twenty twelve. Heraldus Chapman was the best Errolis Chapman we've seen thus far. He was eighth in Cy Young voting, and this Heraldus Chapman, hot take. I guess I have numbers to back it up. I think he's better than he was then. I think he's more unhittable and more dominant than he was then. And I had that idea when I was doing the research for this one, and I wanted to get, I wanted to be safe because obviously. If you're listening for the first time, this segment, it's called Rounding Third. I have a hot take or bold, bold thing, bold statement, and I try and back it up, and the opposing people on this podcast will tell me if I'm safe or out. Rounding Third, uh, play the plate, safe or out. So Damon decides that today because we have nobody else. But I was doing the research, and I was so happy. Like, every stat I would get, like, oh, wow. It's a great feeling. This, this works. This actually makes sense, and I was hoping they would be the way they were, and then they ended up being correct. So... Just when you look to, obviously, April's been concluded now. So his final April stats, 10 innings pitched, 24 strikeouts, two hits allowed, zero runs, six of six on save opportunities. So when you look, I was looking for his best year, which was 2012 on the Reds. And when you look about, you look, you think about that pitcher, and you think about the pitcher who, obviously, he's not throwing as hard as he was then. He was hitting, I think he hit 106. Then, I don't know if that's the number. I'm pretty sure it's 106. I think so. It was something like that, yeah. But when you think about that pitcher, and you think about this current Aroldis Chapman at 32 years old, I think he is, you think there's no chance that he could actually be better than that. But I'll tell you there's a chance, Damon, and here's why. But when you look back to his April in 2012, he had 12 winnings pitched, 5 hits compared to 2 now, 0 ERA, 21 strikeouts. So he has 3 more strikeouts in the month of April and three less hits that's not the end-all be-all i just was, thought it was cool to show that this actually could be potentially his best month he's ever pitched mm-hmm. that's not it though my main basis for saying that he's the best he's ever been is because of the type of pitcher that he's changed and we talk about you know Pitchers as they get older, they develop more pitches. They develop more to become like a finesse pitcher, not a fireballer. Like CC Sabathia moved into becoming more of a finesse guy when he was an overpowered fastball pitcher before, and he learned to you know start painting and all that stuff. And Chapman, you know, still has the gas. He's hitting 102 and all that. And I just wanted to address that first because that's obviously the main thing that Chapman has to offer. That's what he's bringing to the table. And in 2012 the year he hit like 106, his average fastball velocity was 100.9. So uh, it, it listen, it wasn't 105 average fastball velocity. He could hit that, but it wasn't with consistency. So when you look to right now, he's at 99.2. So it's really not that far off. It's like a little bit over 1% off. Still fucking fast, still hits 102, still tops in the league and you know, Fastball velocity, I think he's like the 99th percentile. There's only a few people that throw faster than him. That's Jordan Hicks. And he doesn't have nearly the other stuff that Chapman has in the arsenal. And honestly, that compares well to what Chapman was in 2012 based on his his pitch usage. Because in 2012, his pitch mix was just two pitches. He was a two-pitch pitcher. He was 88% four-seam fastball. So you knew what you That's were crazy. getting, so as, as if you time it up, obviously he's a closer and you don't get much of him, so it's, you don't get that third time through the order. You start figuring him out. You don't have much time to figure him out, but if you know the fastball is coming and it's 12% slider, everyone's sitting fastball, but now he has four pitches, and they're four disgusting, unhittable pitches. His pitch mix now is 54% fastball versus 88 fastball, still just as fast close to just as fast, 20% slider usage. That's up from 12 before. And then the two new pitches are 13% sinker and 13% that new splitter. And that split finger fastball is absolutely disgusting. So when you think about that and you think about an at-bat, obviously I haven't faced anybody in the major leagues remotely close or any major league at all, but nothing remotely close to an Aroldis Chapman at-bat. But when you're mentally preparing for an at-bat, and a pitcher has four pitches, and that fastball still can hit 102. But he has equally disgusting pitches that the change in speeds in each one of those pitches are different speeds. Each one of them are different speeds. And there's only a 54% shot that you're going to get a fastball, and everything else is, you know, 50% too. You can't sit fastball anymore. You just can't. And when they're that gross, it's fucking wild. And then this is what I was talking about before, that – I hope the numbers would back up everything that I'm looking at, and this so, this so far it has, but then I looked at the whiff percentage, and in 2012, his whiff percentage was 43%. 2021, so far, small sample size, 49% whiff percentage. So he is actually, God, he's, he's, he's better. Everything has been better, and, you know, obviously, it, he isn't throwing as hard, but I think he's just become a better pitcher and that's not a shock. So it, when I when I brought this all up, you know, it sounds crazy at first, but he's older, he still throws just as hard and he's figured out how to pitch. He's not just this wild guy like Jordan Hicks is right now. Jordan Hicks just throws. Yeah. He I think he has like two pitches also, a sinker and and a fastball and he just throws and he's wild. Chapman's still pretty wild. I don't know, I haven't looked at the the control numbers this year so far, but obviously he's not the most accurate pitcher. But he's got other things to worry about, and that is a handful to deal with when you're up and it's shown this year. And I think that this first month isn't fool's gold. I think he really, adding these two pitches has literally become unhittable. And I think we're looking at something. And, you know, at first when I brought this up, I didn't want, and I, nor did I care if anybody believed me and said like, oh no, he was so much better in 2012 or whatever, 2016 when he was on the Cubs and got traded, mm-hmm. all that. That wasn't my intention behind this. Obviously, I want to be called safe in, for the purposes of this argument, but I don't really care. The main point of this is to just let people know and w- we can appreciate actually how good this guy's been because I feel like a lot of his career has been kinda tainted by those few little outings where he gives up the go ahead home run or I don't think any of them in walk offs, but uh the go ahead home run to Altuve, the go ahead home run in the World Series and the Cubs series, like all that stuff. I feel like you think of people think of him in a very negative light and think of him it like kind of stains his entire, you know, arsenal and career and all that stuff. I just wanted to point this out, whether you think he was better in twenty twelve or, or now, and you agree with me. Be cool if you agree with me, but I just want people to realize actually how historically good he's being in terms of his own career, and you know historically good in terms of baseball.
2: Yeah, um, I, I definitely I agree with all that. I think you're I'm safe, safe for sure uh, by a mile. But here, oh, here's here's where I think the biggest, I mean, dude, like, he's gross. One of the biggest factors is in 2012 was a while ago. All right. Long time ago. Long time ago. How many? Let me ask you a question. How many people were throwing 102 miles an hour in 2012? Probably That's true too. not a lot.
1: That's true too. Probably so that makes,
2: not a lot. So he he was dominant then because he was throwing harder than anybody else. He's the only guy. He's the only guy. So he could throw ninety. He could throw a fastball every single pitch of that at bat, and he probably could have been as dominant as he was. Right? The slider was like. You know, eighty-eight percent of what it was was the amount of times fastball. fastballs. Like, good chance you're going to get a fastball, and he was still that dominant. He's got a twelve percent chance at a
1: slider. Math.
2: Yeah, math. Look How <laughs> that works? That I feel like that to me is is like the biggest standard because like, like I feel like nowadays you got Garrett Cole as a starter throwing hundred miles an hour. You got guys like Glasnow who's up heat. there in
1: the in the average velocity. Too. You
2: know, so like these guys, so like 99. these guys are getting used to hitting a hundred um or hitting like the batters are getting used to hitting 100 miles an hour but then you got a guy who's one a lefty two has a weird arm angle and three has all these new pitches now four pitches that throw that go different speeds and now that percentage of fastball goes down to 50 or 54 54% it was. percent
1: fastball usage so you now you, you can't even sit fastball yeah you now don't, like you have a, truly not a guarantee you will you have a 50 50 shot and if you're sitting fastball you're going to get fucked.
2: Yeah, so let's say you get th- fucked. 50-50 shot. <laughs> you're trying to, yeah, you're you're expecting a fastball or whatever it is. But then, if it's not a fastball, it could be these three other fucking pitches that, that are all also really in good. Other They're directions. all in different directions. One's going left, one's going down, one's going right.
1: Like And I don't even think when he had that slider in 2012, it was nearly as good as it is now. because before Because no before he th- started throwing this split-finger fastball, his slider wasn't really great in years past, but we've recently seen last year, it's been kind of reinvented and it's, it's looked unbelievable. And now he has that unbelievable pitch and we were like, there's no way he could get better. And then he does a split finger fastball and he's actually using it. Like 13% is a lot to use an off speed pitch, especially when you're such a fastball guy. And that is a kind of a pretty interesting point that you bring up about the whole, um, like average pitch velocity across the league. And that's interesting to note that that made him a little more of a dominant pitcher back then. Very much a dominant pitcher back then. But, you know, that's a a good point because now that everybody's throwing that fast, you kind of have to be doing other things. Because if he just, if you picked up that pitcher of Raldis Chapman and you put him in 2021 right now, I don't think he's nearly, he was Cy Young eight that year. I don't think he's even close to that. that. I don't know. I might be reaching here, but I think the moral of the story here is I don't think. He would be as dominant as he would be as he was then right now, because everybody throws that fast. You need something like this, you need to i don't want to say reinvent yourself but reinvent yourself, have some more pitches, have something else to you, and he does he's very like and that's a cool thing too because when I used to pitch back in the day. It used to be like, yo, one pitch isn't working one day. You got to go to another one. In his case, if one pitch isn't working, let's say his slider isn't working that day, and he only has one other pitch, he's only been throwing fastballs all day. You could figure that out so quick. I don't care how fast you throw, you'll eventually figure it out. If the slider, if like, there's one at bat, first at bat, and he throws two sliders, and they're both absolutely wild, nowhere close to the zone, because that's kind of what he was doing in 2012. Then you know you're getting fastball, and then you have uh, that's Astros cheating, you know. I'll bring that back up, but that's Astros mm-hmm. cheating type stuff. You know a pitch is coming; it's easier to hit. I don't care how fast it is. So that is really, it's just having four pitches is unbelievable, especially when you throw this hard. So I was expecting a little bit of a little bit of brushback on that, but I mean, like the 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 stats back it up. I was expecting brushback like, at first, yeah. and then I was going to bring the stats and be like, "No, fuck you, I'm right." If you but, just kind
2: of want a win, just to so like, yeah, I think he's better then than would have had a bigger conversation. But yeah. the stats the stats prove it.
1: All right, what's your rounding third?
2: Well. We, I was gonna add a couple, and then we talked about the Hicks thing, which kind of went off of that um, rounding third. I was gonna kind of bash him a little bit more, but I don't want right, to do that so anymore. Um,
1: that was a nice little conversation. For yeah, I
2: think through. I think we're good for now. I have another one that I'm gonna save for next week. because yeah. I'm gonna let it marinate a little bit.
1: Oh, stay tuned.
2: I'm gonna see what the, the lineup's like next couple of
1: days, and I'm gonna. No, I'm interested. Don't tell me I'm gonna try and guess, but yeah. Storyline to look for. I'll put for some sure.
2: respect on someone's name. Well, now you're kind of, now I'm gonna guess. I mean, there's like 25 people you can guess 26. from. <laughs> well, 25, because Chapman's not one. No, guy. but let's let's uh, we'll we'll save that. Um, put in the Astros next. Pretty pretty big series coming out. Um,
1: and the Astros are hot. They you know uh, they they weren't before, and they were in last place in. Oh, <laughs> they were in last place. In, uh in the AOS but they've definitely been hot recently um what do the pitching match- matchups look like um so oh, I wish we were going to the game tomorrow I got softball tomorrow I was kind of skip it but I'm kind of the best person on our team and I can't be doing that I also have to buy beer for the for the team because a thing we do is the whoever makes the last out has to buy a 30 rack for the next game and I made the last out but it was absolutely smoked. I think that there's some, something to be said about smoking at the center field. I don't think I should have had to do that, but I'm buying yeah. Duber for the team. <laughs>
2: anyway, uh, so tomorrow's Granky versus Herman. Granky's still pitching, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't um, heard his name for shit. Pretty, pretty even matchup, I guess, so far. Herman's pitching? pitching? Yeah, so the day is probably going to be Herman, Monty, and then Cole. That's what I'm assuming for the 1 2 3 series. Um, but the, the Astros are hot. They've won eight of their last 11 games and. They jumped from fourteen to number five in the
1: power rankings for MLB. How about that Miles Straw comment? What was Did that? you see that? Was that the Let me pull it up? It was like he was basically Miles Straw oh, is, yeah, yeah. It was like, is a shitty is Who the fuck is this guy? He's he was the backup. I think I don't know if he was on the team during the cheating scandal. He was definitely not playing because Springer was in center, so he's the center fielder now. But who cares about him? Who cares about him at all? But he let me read his comments. Oh, here it is. So, Miles Straw on the upcoming series in Yankee Stadium. You can fire uh you can fire the boys up all you want. We'll come ready to play. If they boo us, they can boo us whatever. Like who the who fuck are you? is that who guy? The fuck no. Do you I think mean, you he's are. he's a shitty baseball player who now has a starting job in center field because by default cuz Springer got, you know, he's on the Blue Jays now. He's super fast. That's only the only thing he's got, but you know, so is Tyler Wade and he sucks. So, I don't know who the fuck he thinks he is talking like that. I'm just happy that he knows that he's about to get booed like crazy. So, I think he's just getting ahead of that. But, yeah, you know. But, like, what's the point? Like, that, that was such an unnecessary... No. He yeah. sucks. They suck. We're better than them. Yankees are back. We moved from 12 to 7, I think, in the power rankings. So, that's yeah. just nice to see the world is recognizing that. That's before this, Kluber. Do you want
2: to see a really funny recognizing our, I guess, our trend upward? Fangraphs has... We're, we're in third place right now um, in the AL East. And we have an 82% chance of making the playoffs. And the Red Sox, who were in first, have a 51% chance of making the playoffs.
1: The Yankees are good. We're back. Astros series coming up. They stink. We're better than them.
0: All the guys at 161st Street, I just have two words for you. We both tried to stand up but always would end lost together. We did our time so make up your mind cause we're stuck in a spiral denying the world outside keep building up the